Gail sent us a song that we could sing. Oh, yeah. I forget. Power to the people. The people. Power <laughs> to the people. And you kind yeah. of look like Patti Smith in her younger days with your hair right now. <laughs> you want me to do my White Rabbit cover? One pill makes you larger and one pill makes you small. What's that have to do I'm with Patti Smith? Ones that... Oh, that was Grace Slick. I always get them confused. <laughs> Episode 17 of Off the Charts, a stellar newscast. I'm Whitney Fishburne in Washington, while my New Yorker colleague, co-host, and fellow astrologer, Elizabeth Grace, remains in Maine, but not for long. I know. I've been in my happy place. You look so sad. I know. I am sad. And I'm really sad because this microphone isn't behaving. But anyway, okay, come on, microphone. That's not why you're sad. You're sad because you're holding a ticket home. (laughs) I'm holding a ticket home. Well, I'm holding a ticket back to New York. No matter where we are, Elizabeth and I are both renegades from corporate media. We report and analyze the cosmic impulses behind the news. And we want to show you how the media manipulates you into working against your best interests. We want to help you anticipate the cycles and trends in the world so you can see it's not a random chaotic place. It's part of an ensouled universe. In that universe, cycles within cycles strongly suggest there is a greater consciousness enfolding us, moving through us, around us. It's a larger intelligence that is more awesome than we humans could ever be because we are within it. And even if we are amazing, we'll never understand just what these cosmic impulses are, but we can certainly engage with them. Most importantly, we are here to encourage you to participate in that unfoldment of whatever this beautiful universe has in store. So that's us. That's us. And wherever we are, that's what we're thinking. Remember the Buckaroo Bonsai movie? Wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. I dated him. What was his name? Peter. Peter Weller. Peter Peter Weller. Weller, You dated him? That's a story for, um, that's a, that story is a blue story. So (laughs) I'll have to tell you that later. More bonus premium content for our <laughs> patron subscribers. Just- oh, I don't know if I can go there, but but he was a. Uh, but yeah, I can tell the story about how we met. That would definitely be hilarious. I can tell bonus. Yeah. That, okay, so we'll story. just we'll just make it Hollywood gossip. I'll tell you all my stories about working working in Hollywood in the eighties and the nineties. Not in the not yeah. And then and then our younger listeners will go, who <laughs> who are these people and why should I care? Mm. All right. Coming up in this episode, we are going to talk about the usual charts in the news. I would like to share a story about a UFO that I saw, which I'm not even going to get too worked up over because I'm starting to see them a lot. And I have a thought about battlefields and ghosts and current transits. So that's us. What have you got for us? What's our script? Pretty much ad lib. (laughs) It says, let me tell you, I saw a UFO ad lib. Here's our script. Okay. So then tell everybody about the UFO because this was amazing. Go ahead. Well, I haven't seen them during the day before I have seen them at night and it's been for decades. You know, I used to think it was a big deal. I mean, it is a big deal, but I used to think, wow, I saw a UFO. Oh my gosh, what does it mean? But usually if I saw them, other people, I would, you know, do a little research and find out, oh, I wasn't the only person who saw it that night or whatever. But um, increasingly I've seen them. And then I've just just been like, you know, I'm a bird watcher, right? So I go and I I watch birds. If I see birds, I don't yell to the whole world. Oh, I saw, you know, a roseate spoonbill or, you know, I saw a pileated woodpecker and, you know, whatever. I just see them and kind of like, oh, why I'm here. I came here to see if I could find any birds. I feel that way about UFOs anymore. It's like, oh, look, I saw a UFO. (laughs) 
it's just kind of like a sighting that it's just like for me being out with my birds. Yeah. But your written account was just amazing. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I'll put a link to it. It's just that it, what it got me thinking about it's hawk migration season right now. It's actually migration season, you know, songbirds are migrating, but hawks are migrating. And and that's my particular interest are um, raptors. And this will tie in with my fascination with battlefields lately, but here in Washington, we have, we have, I think 96 total forts and batteries. So and I live pretty close to the Potomac. So a lot of these are close by to where I am and it's not hard for me to get to the battlefield. And I'm also close to the, um, the Chesapeake and Ohio canal, which is part of the national park system. And then of course there's rock Creek park. So there are lots of parks and battlefields around. And so they're well-maintained and there are places where you can go and it's quiet. So there's this one particular civil war battery that is on the Potomac and, um, the Potomac is kind of like a causeway for birds. So I was laying down on a picnic table with my binoculars. It was a beautiful day. And I was just watching this kettle of hawks. That was a real gift. It was a real miracle to see this for me because um, I was actually just looking at a particular hawk that I, I, I know is migrating. It's not native to this area. And as I was trained on it, that's when I saw way above it, this huge kettle of hawks. And what that means is um, there's a thermal and all kinds of migrating birds get wrapped into the thermal. And so it's called a kettle just because it's kind of like birds percolating on the bubbles of a, of a cauldron. Hmm. And I have never seen an active kettle as um, filled with with birds as, as this particular one. I mean, I've seen maybe like 10, maybe I couldn't even count the number of birds in this, but it was really, really high up. That was the thing. And I, and I was like, I don't even think I can see them all. I mean, I didn't even know they flew this high. And I was just contemplating all of that, you know, and, and the bird that originally brought my attention to it, but I was trying to see as many as I could. And then all of a sudden this white tic-tac went just blew right through it. And I was like, Holy crap. So I, you know, I jumped up off the table and I was, but I, then it was too high up for me to, to walk. So I laid back down and I, and I did stay with it for, you know, maybe like 10 seconds. And I was like, well, that's a UFO. So that's the first time I'd ever seen one during the day because it didn't have lights or anything like that. But then I went back to just laying there on the picnic table. And um, eventually I lost sight of all the birds and I just kept looking at the blue and, and, you know, what I always think, which is we just can't possibly be it, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, hierarchy makes us think duality, you know, cause hierarchy it, it's, it's graduated when you're thinking in hierarchical terms, you're thinking who's above me and who's above that and who's above that. But it's also, it's when it's linear, it divides. So there's duality, right? There's this or that, this or that. Mm-hmm. And when I see phenomena like you know, even just birds acting in a way I, I didn't anticipate that alone should make you think about the cyclical nature of the actual, of, of life, of, of the, you know, of consciousness, mm-hmm. but also seeing something that is clearly far more advanced than we are. Um, and it appearing in a world where I have been functioning within a paradigm of this duality and hierarchy, but it supersedes all of that. You have to stop and think what's true. And I used to be very cagey about that, particularly living here in Washington, where everything is predicated on policymaking that is very linear and very dual duality conscious, but whatever, that's just a waste of time to pretend pretend that I believe that. But I, no. the, the, the reason I wanted to bring it up to our listeners is just, this is happening. I'm not making it up. You don't have to believe me. You could go out and find evidence of this kind of thing for yourself. But 
for, for our purposes as two astrologers, like what's happening in the universe right now, you know, what's happening in our solar system, what's happening celestially that reflects these moments. So there are two things which is going to be obvious when I tell you why I'm saying the two things. The first thing is I also saw something weird in the sky. I was with my cousin and I were, were driving. We were going to this fabulous store that's local store here near where I am in Maine. And we're looking at this. Okay. It's the shape of an airplane sort of, and there are no airports nearby, but there is this airplane thing sort of, and it was going at a 90 degree, it was perpendicular to the ground. And we're sitting there looking at this thing. And my cousin's going, that has to be a rocket. It has to be a rocket because it's going straight up, which of course is insane because where, where, where would that even happen? And, and, and eventually I thought, well, no, it has to be, it has to be an airplane because, because what thing is going straight up this perpendicular to the horizon line. But it was just weird. It's just interesting that you said that. But the other thing that I wanted to say, because you started talking about dual, dual, dual. You're going to go exactly where I did. But Why? <laughs> I, know, no, I know where you're going. Is, we're going to we're gonna, we're gonna go right into Mars and Gemini square Neptune. Exactly. Right. We're going to go right it, in. It, But that's the key. Square Neptune, which is also another dual. So Gemini's dual, double-bodied. But let's translate that first. first. Right. So, double so bodied. What, did, what, what did we just say? Gemini is a double-bodied sign. Most so people know Pisces. it as the twins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when we say Mars and Gemini, we're going to be dealing with two things: dual nature, D-U-A-L, dual nature. But also because Mars is aggression and mm-hmm. Mars is courage and war, mm-hmm. there's also a dual, D-U-E-L, which mm-hmm. can be a war of words, a war on words. But it's a fight between two, because it's Gemini, ways of thinking. But it's okay. you made a really crucial point. It's also square Neptune, Neptune, which is well, what is real and what is not real. And Neptune is in a double-bodied sign, Pisces, which is the feminine, and Gemini is masculine, and it Pisces is water as its element, so it's more receptive. It's it has no boundaries. It's double-bodied, but it has no boundaries. Right. Because so it can believe water. whatever it can be. What so your thoughts in your in your assertions and your courageous standpoints can are boundless because and and it's whatever you believe because Pisces is I believe and we are in the middle like where we are astrologically like where we are in the timeline. Here's what's going on. We have had a few weeks. I mean, I love when you do our show notes, notes, Whitney, because you you talk about the planets as if they are characters on a stage or gods playing certain roles. And the interaction of these planets, which we as astrologers translate because we see them as symbols and we translate into, well, what kind of events are we going to be seeing reflected in human experience in space and time? So for the past few weeks, we've had our cast of characters, starting with the sun, the leader, the king in Virgo, followed by Venus, also in Virgo, not terribly happy in Virgo. Venus in Virgo is is trying is seeking perfection and Virgo is rarely satisfied because it's its job to make things better. That's what it does. Followed by Mercury, how we need to think. Each of these planets has taken a turn over the past few weeks, coming into contact, opposing Neptune, 
this dual double body woo woo boundary dissolving faith. So all of the, so, and so these three planets have been in Virgo where they're trying to crystallize and form and discern and make things right. And they've been opposed by this big blob of ectoplasm, <laughs> like ghostbusters. That's and so then bring up ghosts. Right, no, right, right. Well, yeah. And then I'm gonna get after, after opposing Neptune, these three characters have gone on to oppose Jupiter, which is the planet of expansion. So it's gotten big. And then they have trine Pluto, which gives it extremes and depth and power. So that is the dance. Uh, if you think about the stories that have been driving the headlines over the past few weeks, and I talk about that in the forecast that I posted in, on my website yesterday, you know, you know, like why is, why are, why do we care about Lizzo, a large woman, son, Jupiter, she's, she's a grand lady. Uh, why do we care about her playing a crystal flute, which is interesting because well, a crystal is, crystal is transparent. Parent mm -hmm. and doesn't it apparently has no form, which is very Neptune. The fact that we would have this story a woman, an artist, a musician, and it's a musical story and it's a big story. She is a big woman, she has Sun Jupiter conjunct in her own horoscope. She's a grand lady, she needs to be. That's great. But the fact that this story, which is you know, you know, how else it's really cool and beautiful, and then then you have you know a faction of a country that's is losing their losing their cocoa puffs over it. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so my point is that we've had three weeks of the sun, Venus, Mercury taking turns opposing Neptune. So we're seeing these woo woo themes in the news. And now where we are now is Mars, the energy of action, which is in Gemini, which needs to be clever and entertaining and informative and use words as a weapon, is now coming into in, onto the stage. And it is about to have its tense conflict with Neptune, the principle, uh, the energy that dissolves everything it touches. Mm -hmm. This is where we are today. And so you're looking up in the sky going, is that a UFO? <laughs> the face again did i you make I'm, me I got look, my face <laughs> yeah you make me look it's that real. face it's that face yeah it's right this is, i'm gonna make it my profile picture it's that bunny from a movie that i don't know the name of but it's one it's a gift it's a rabbit kind of going what and that's like my face um so 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 we're moving into this and and people whose horoscopes are activated by this mars this energy of action coming into contact with this principle of weird, mm -hmm. boundless mm -hmm. uh, spooky. faith. Even spooky. spooky. Yeah. I mean, Lizzo has planets in her horoscope that are personally affected by Mars. Her Venus is at 20 degrees of Gemini. Uh, her moon is it, probably close, close to a square. Uh, it, so it's, an, it, it's being activated because her, her moon is in Virgo. And I think it's probably pretty close. We don't, I don't think we have an exact birth time for her, but um, so she's been activated by it. So that's why, you know, she, people are attacking her and she's having, and she's also taking a stand. Like, isn't history wonderful is what, what she says, you know, being invited by the Library of Congress to, to, to play these beautiful instruments. So her horoscope is being activated. And another horoscope that's being activated is the defeated former guy who's been quite provocative as Mars makes three passes 
of a square in his, in chart. his chart. In his chart, yes. His moon is at 21 degrees of Sagittarius. And so as Mars is in Gemini, connecting with that Gemini sun and opposing this 21 degree Sagittarius moon, I mean, if you want to understand why people are the way they are, the horoscope can tell you what they need, the way I look at it. And if you know what they need, you know why they do what they do and what they're likely to do. So in this particular chart, which apparently we're never going to stop looking at, at least for the next year, because because what because drives of the wonderful horoscope- things he does comes the wonderful thing. No, <laughs> what drives this horoscope is the moon. That is the reigning need of the horoscope of any horoscope. It's why you really need anybody who's listening. You should get to understand your moon sign because that is the, that is the need that is seeking its greatest fulfillment. If you can fulfill the need of the moon, you're going to be happy. This person, the defeated formal guy, for, former guy, has the moon in Sagittarius. A moon in Sagittarius needs to be respected for what it has to say, for its opinion, for its boundary-pushing righteous opinion. That's it, to be of influence. And that pretty much sums up why this person does what he does. If you understand that that's what he needs, you can understand why, why he does what he does. And that energy right now of boundary-pushing opinion is being supercharged by Mars, so this is a very active horoscope right now. Yeah. I just want to throw in there though, that there are other things that go on in his chart that make him uniquely him. Certainly at least a 12th of our listeners are going to have a Sagittarius moon, right? I mean, the odds are. So I'm sure that those, that fraction of our audience with the Sagittarius moon aren't currently finding themselves in legal hot water. So <laughs> No, but I would invite those I mean, but they have a, when I'm just saying they have a need to be respected for what they have to say. And that's all. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, all of the negativity that we associate with this person's chart is going to be theirs as well. Just before we started to record, we Elizabeth and I were comparing, we look at, we took a chart and she said, this is what I see. And it was a chart of a, um, a person that, um, I already knew that when she said these things, those things were true. And I was amazed because she just like, boom, 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 boom. And I said, how did you know that? So she told me how she knew those things. And I said, it's interesting because I got there in a different way and not as immediately as you did, but here's what I see in this chart. And I said, boom, 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 boom. And she said, that's amazing. (laughs) How did you know that? So, you know, we really are coming at this differently. We will get And we will get our clients to the place they need to be. I know that because I've done hundreds and hundreds, hundreds of charts now. And, and I just know that my clients get where they need to be. And I know Elizabeth is going to do the same thing. And you like to say, Elizabeth, that you'll go to the astrologer who who will serve your needs best. That's just the way that our souls work. Mm -hmm. But, but it is astounding how, um, how many stories really are, are within the universe that we each live in, you know, we're all living in so many, it's fractal in a way, or it's holographic. There's so many things that you can see based on um, the particular perspective that you bring to it. That's all. So yeah, I think people with a Sagittarius moon need to be heard. They have things that are big ideas and they want to communicate those big ideas. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to um, break laws to do that. That's all. It's the righteousness, you know, the righteousness can be right or the righteousness can be, um, you know, bloviation. (laughs) (laughs) 
exactly. <laughs> it's like you, you, you get to decide, you know, what you're going to do with this potential in, in the horoscope. So getting back to current astrological weather. So yeah, we and have, I want to make sure I talk about my ghosts in the battlefields. Too. Talk about the ghosts. In the, okay. So yeah. So I'm going to throw it back to you to talk about ghosts, which is such a wonderful, spooky Mars, Neptune thing to talk about. It is. And I like that you said ectoplasmic blob because I go to the battlefields because of the bird watching, but there have been moments that I didn't even understand until this morning, I was making coffee, thinking about all of this. And I said, oh, oh, that's really interesting. Huh? There are battlefields I go Mm. to that have nothing to do with my bird watching. I'm drawn to go there. Sure, it's a good walk, but there are these moments where certain trees call out to me, Mm. whatever that means, but there are certain trees and they will have an effect on me. There are some sycamores also known as buttonwoods or uh, plane trees that I never had seen before until recently. People who live around Washington might be familiar with what's called the Billy Goat Trail, which is um, a trail that if you follow it completely, you'll end up in the Potomac. You'll end up in the shoals of the Potomac. You can scramble around in there. I've never actually done a study on this, but I think plane trees um, in their natural environment, they are often used as urban uh, sidewalk border trees and that sort of thing. But in their natural environment, I believe that they, they tend to be close to water. But I came across on the Billy Goat Trail, I came across some sycamore trees that were truly as remarkable in their size, as remarkable in their size as any redwood. It yeah. was just amazing. Yeah. And I immediately felt wounded to the core and I, I started to cry. And it wasn't like, oh, these trees are so beautiful. I'm, I'm moved to, to to tears that happens, but that's not what it was. And then I remembered it was, uh, April 30th, there was a, the eclipse and I was at a different part, totally different part of the, um, same national park series. I was on the CNO trail, but I was down in a place called Fletcher's Cove came across this kind of ghost ghost tree cemetery, right? It's like where all of these sycamores have been washed down the river from wherever they began their journey, having been washed out by floods or whatever into the Potomac, it could have been as easily up and where it starts up in West Virginia. Because the thing about, about the Potomac is it's a wild river. Mm-hmm. It's really, there's no industri- industry on it. It is a very wild and beautiful river, but there's this shoreline in Washington where these trees will wash ashore. And then there's also this kind of boggy area where there's a grove of sycamores and they're all white and skinny and kind of spindly. And I had been walking through there at the time of an eclipse um, April 30th, that was that eclipse. And I remember a similar situation where I was amongst them. I was actually just walking the dog and I felt that sadness, this deep, deep sadness. And I, I had this strange reaction where I started to sing and it didn't even matter what I was singing. It was a sad, sad, sad sounds, but Mm -hmm. then I ended up, okay, now people are just going to think I'm a total lunatic. Fine. I started to coo like a morning dove because that was the sound that I was resonating with. There was a morning, do you know what a morning dove? Not, oh, mo- not, not morning. Like it's, you know, six o'clock in the morning, but morning. No, it's, a morning. Actually, no, it's a morning. 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 It's, a, exactly. it's not a keening, but it is a sad sound. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, I started to make mm-hmm. that sound and I felt the pressure on my chest start to relieve. And then there were s- s- several other times. So finally I'm standing there the other day thinking, oh, this is a pattern. I'm putting this together. And it's when I'm near battlefields and it's this particular tree and well, you know, whatever, my brain starts to kind of spin all of this together. And I realize there's a lot of sadness in the earth from our choices to kill each other. Uh-huh. You know, these ghosts remain. And if you tune in 
you know, you can tune into the frequency of the sadness. I am just now starting to wonder, I have no theory about this that's proven, you know, not that I care. I care less and less about proving any of this. I just am telling you, as I tell our audience all the time, what do you observe? What's true for you? So for me, what I've observed is, is that when I enter these kind of sad bubbles, you know, these kind of sad frequency fields, um, acknowledging it, singing it, singing it alive, singing it, singing it, singing it out, Mm -hmm. um, touching the trees, you know, being, Mm -hmm. being in the resonance of it, it relieves it. And I think this to me is very, it's indicative of, uh, Pluto and Mercury. And I have had Pluto sitting on my natal Mercury for a while now. We got to talk about that. We got to talk about what's going on with that. Yeah. And the trines with Mercury in the sky. And, and I think as Pluto is going direct this week, right. But you're feeling it now. That is why I think I started to put the, put that together that, you know, there is this need for me to gravitate toward these battlefields, toward death fields, right? These places that's where, Pluto. Yeah. Death occurred. And then Mercury to, you know, to give it wings. I have to jump in and I, I'm my moon in Gemini has to share this, this fascinating information. I, ha- I have to oh, go right now. I, I don't have anything else to say. No, 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 no. So, like like you're lily. T- so, so here's, so here's what I do. This is my response to anybody saying, Oh, I saw such and such a thing. I, I'm going to go look it up because nature has meaning. Animals represent things. Trees have symbolism. So the sycamore tree is a very special tree in the United States. It is an ancient, ancient tree. It's been around for 100 million years. And it symbolizes strength, protection, eternity, and divinity. In Egypt, it is portrayed as a representation of Egyptian goddesses in the book named The Book of the Dead. (laughs) And it has its reference in the Bible as well. Mm -hmm. In America, Mm -hmm. during the Battle of Brandywine in Mm -hmm. 1777, a 168-year-old sycamore tree in Brandywine Battlefield Park, Pennsylvania, sheltered large troops of General Washington. And since then, it has become a symbol of protection and hope for the Americans. No, interesting. Wow. Well, I, I know. Yeah. I mean, there are no coincidences. So I'm like, that's interesting. So, so yes. So planetary weather, we're talking about Neptune, how Mars is joining in this this show that's being put out on stage in the cosmic sandbox this week, we have two other patterns happening that are driving the action. One of them is Pluto transformation breakdown. America is having its Pluto return. Mm-hmm. It's in Capricorn, Pluto. It's, it's in Capricorn, Capricorn which, which is, is, you know, the earth and underground as well. The establishment power mm-hmm. resources, mm-hmm. including nuclear power because Pluto was plutonium. Okay, so and and oil and you know where do we get the power? Where do we get the resources to run the world? Pluto is slowing to a virtual standstill from our perspective on planet Earth as it prepares from our perspective on planet Earth. It's not really going to change direction, but that's what it looks like from our point of view, and that is how it is reflected in our experience through space and time on this planet, because this is how we're seeing things. We, 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 I don't know what things would be like for, for, for creatures on Mars or another planet. We wouldn't have this experience. 
So Pluto. Well, that's maybe we should do a show on that because yeah, we could talk about that. Okay, but go ahead. But Pluto is symbolically slowing down, preparing to move forward on Saturday. And as it slows down, it its effect is I the word I use, it's like a car blaring. Somebody's leaning on the horn of their car as it slows down, inviting us to focus on whatever is associated with this planet. So for you, Pluto's on your Mercury, right? So you've got this extreme persuasion, potent, Mm depth-seeking, channel, pressure that's on how you receive and communicate information. Well, and I just thought of this, not only that, my Mercury within the traditional uh, view of astrology, my Mercury sits at the gates of death. Mm. It's right on that cusp. Mm. Okay. Receiving the information from the ghosts. Mm -hmm. We're going to post it on Friday. It will be two days before a full moon. And the day before Pluto turns direct. And so we can anticipate headlines in the news this week that focus our attention on power, death, regeneration, resources. And next week, Pluto will square the sun on October 19th. And so we may see some action, some actual events moving forward involving leaders and power and resources that reflect Pluto's change of direction. The fact that it's moving forward, it's been retrograde since April 29th. So there may have been some issues with power and resources and heads of state and business that were put on hold when Pluto turned retrograde on April 29th. And that now we may pick up that dialogue. Well, yeah. And especially because Mercury has also this week gone, as you were saying, uh, what what was it? Uh, October, it depends on where you were. So Mercury went retrograde October 1st or October 2nd, depending on your uh, mm-hmm. time zone. So now things are going to start moving fast, faster. I mean, Pluto going in the direction that it is quote unquote meant to go in can suddenly feel intense. Um, mm-hmm. a little bit like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I can integrate all of this information at once, but it's been with mercury retrograde and, uh, and now it's moving into a trine. So I think it'll feel intense, but it'll be possible to integrate things. But Mercury having mm-hmm. been retrograde at the same time, just before they trine, I think I'm just de- kind of dovetailing with what you're saying. That information is now going to quickly knit together, whatever the information is. Yes, exactly. And there is an overload. It's almost more than, it's, it's a lot to handle. You have to take a break. You have to step away from it. And so the trine between Mercury and Pluto that I think that's going to be on Thursday is the third in a series of trines that we've had during this, this Mercury retrograde. We've got one more part of the Mercury retrograde that's coming up next week when Mercury will oppose Jupiter. The trine to Pluto is really great for investigative reporters. So I imagine this week we're going to be dealing with a lot and we're, and we already are. I mean, we're, we're just getting so much more, uh, crap that's being unearthed about he did what she said what back then oh my god we always suspected and now we know for sure because here are the receipts like oh herschel walker 
you who've been campaigning in Georgia on a plan on a platform of insanity and saying that, uh, you know, uh, women who uh, who have uh, who have an abortion are murderers. Well, guess what? Here is your girlfriend from 2009 with a receipt and a get well card because you got the her get pregnant. well card. That was the, I'm sorry. I, it's, the get it's well a tra- card. But that made me laugh. I'm sorry, but that made me laugh. It reminded me of that movie. Oh, this is so sick. This is gallows humor, but it's so sick. If anyone has seen the movie, the death of Stalin, that movie is so disturbing and talk about black humor. Wow. That is so dark and, and deeply deeply disturbing, but there is a scene in that movie. It's written by um, Yanucci, the same guy who does Veep and uh, Mm, some mm -hmm. other kinds of political um, satire, but whoa. So there's a scene where the um, head of the KGB is uh, systematically raping teenage girls. And what he would do is have the parents come pick up the girl and then give the parents a bouquet of flowers. It's so gross and so upsetting, but so in line of the entire supreme nuttiness of the entire movie describing how people go absolutely out of their minds, trying to keep their position when the one at the top of the food chain has died. And they're all trying to secure themselves before the news gets out that he's dead. Anyway, the idea this guy (laughs) would say categorically that women who have abortions are murderers and then have a trail behind him that includes a get well card. That was just so bizarre to me that I did laugh out loud. How much clearer can you get about this piece of information that's dug up from underground, this information? And this is like, we're going to be dealing with just more and more and more. But so you think, well, gee, if we have an election today, who's going to win? Well, I don't know. I think it would be still be a super close race. And I say that because I'm looking at another pattern that's going on right now, which is Saturn, necessary control the old guard structure is in an effective, it's not an actual perfect square. The aspect, they don't ever really touch. Because the minutes, yeah, they're on the the same degree, but the minutes don't line up. It's about as close as you can get, but still. We've had this argument behind the scenes, argument, but (laughs) But they don't, but they do not actually totally completely it's like you can't be almost pregnant. Okay. So there is no child here between Saturn and Uranus because it is not a perfection. You cannot, it just, it's just not going to happen. It's not, but it sure feels like it. The energy of Saturn in a square to Uranus, which is blowing up the structures, the energy of freedom and not following the rules, innovation. So there is this tension and they are both in signs, Aquarius, which is where Saturn is. Taurus, which is our sense of material comfort and security, which is where Uranus is in. There's no sense of material comfort and insecurity. How can there be? Because Uranus is disrupting it. Two tectonic plates pressing against each other. Neither one is giving an inch. The energy of the old guard versus the energy of the avant-garde. Who is going to give in? Well, obviously. That is the, that is the tension. Yeah. You know, so they had an they obviously had an, the future, as you say, but obviously there's going to be rubble. <laughs> right. 
Right. So the rebel forces are going to come in and, and let's hope that they're the rebel forces that are advocating for what said rubble. Rubble. Oh, OK. Yeah. Well, the yeah, rubble, the rubble forces, the rubble, <laughs> the rubble for the Barney rubble, the Barney rubble forces. The Barney rubble forces are going to come in here at some point when this aspect separates, because that's when the tension goes away. And that's when you have the potential like long sigh. One of the things that we could see after this tension releases Saturn gets out of Aquarius next March. Finally, it leaves, it exits the building and goes on to Pisces. But one of the things that we have seen in past um, tense patterns between Saturn and Uranus impacts the bubble, any bubble in the financial world. And it's been really interesting because we had three exact passes of Saturn square Uranus in 2021. And I had thought since it had been like seven years since we'd had that kind of tension, that we might see some kind of disruption in the financial markets that you would interpret as an obvious bubble bursting. But that didn't really happen. Well, yeah, but we haven't had Jupiter retrograde into Pisces and then go back out yet. I think exactly. Okay, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. But my point is, is that I thought in 2021 that maybe we would see some bubbles bursting, but we we didn't because I think the bubble of Jupiter conjunct Neptune and Pisces kind of overshadowed any potential fallout between Saturn square Uranus. But now we have this picture of tension again, and it's going to be in an immediate effect this month and also next month. That, that's the, the most intense part of it. And so we'll see if there's going to be any bubbles and disruptions that happen. I'm sure. And I'm not saying this to freak everybody out. I'm, I'm not saying because, because I don't, I'm not a psychic. I don't know if this is going to happen, but if it did, if it did, there would be an astro logic to it. I don't, I keep going back to the raison d'etre of our program, which is to remind people that there is a logic. We have free will, mm-hmm. which is, that's our gift, but we're all acting that free will upon a plan that's there. I, you know, mm-hmm. I sound, I sound almost like a Calvinist, but, <laughs> but really mm-hmm. increasingly I, I find, you know, there's something bigger. I don't know what it is and I don't need to. So I'm not going to worry about bubbles because I can make decisions in the moment to handle myself. Well, this is going back to what you were saying at the very beginning. You enjoyed what I wrote about the UFO. Mm-hmm. And, and let me finish the thought that's there. And I'll put the link to what I wrote, which in a nutshell was, look, there are moments where we are powerless to stop what is happening. We are, if we are in, you know, Florida on the West coast and we live in Fort Myers, mm-hmm. even, if you, even if you evacuated, you can't stop what was happening. If you are a Ukrainian citizen. And oh my gosh, I read something. I'll put a link to this too. I read the latest Greg Oliar mm-hmm. this morning. Um, he has a correspondent, uh, Zabrina Zelensky, who's been sending back dispatches of visiting mass graves. And I, mm-hmm. I actually read one this morning and it was tough to read. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you are a Ukrainian citizen, you're powerless in, in a way as well right now. And, and these are two heavy, heavy fates. Mm-hmm. Being, being, you know, devastated by a hurricane or being shelled and killed and uh, losing your family in very dastardly ways. But in the aggregate, 
as humans, every choice we've all made does lead up to something. Mm -hmm. And so my point at looking at the UFO was, well, if there's another intelligence in the universe observing us, they might very well be thinking, what a bunch of dumb jackasses, but they also <laughs> might be thinking um, lunch. It, well, I maybe, I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I just, <laughs> I can't do anything about that. So I don't worry about it, but, um, but yeah, so certainly there's, there's, I was reading a, a not too long ago, a, a an equivalent to a NASA scientist, I've forgotten which country it was from, but he said the same thing. He's like, if there's intelligent life out there, we really need to stop contacting them. Uh, there's a movie that kind of points to that. It's called Cowboys and Aliens. It has Harrison Ford. And um, who's the guy that is the um, latest James Bond or was before the new one, the guy who did Skyfall, that guy. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah. They, they, uh, Cowboys and Aliens. It's hilarious. It's very campy. Great with a nice bowl of popcorn and a good beer. But um my other point was just, look, there's something else about humans that is intrinsic to who we are. And you can make choices that are uh, in the aggregate painful or in the aggregate beautiful, but none of that is actually who we are. The fate that is intermingled with our free will always, always, always has at its center this capacity that we have innately. We don't have to we can choose to exercise it, but we don't choose to have it. It's there to care mm -hmm. and to want to care for others. Mm -hmm. And you have to work really hard not to actually experience that as a human being, even the former guy, as you call him, you know, I lived in New Jersey when he was, um, romping his way through bankruptcy on the Atlantic board, Atlantic city boardwalk. Mm -hmm. And there are many, many stories of him just completely stiffing the people who were working for him and doing the um, beautiful artwork and the stained glass and all of the things. And, you know, there's just tremendous more stories than you can even get your mind around of how he, he stiffed people and hurt people. Yep. There, there are also stories of his generosity. They exist. He has that within him, evil though he may be, and whatever a person might think about him, he still is human. He still has the capacity to be caring. And there are stories like that that exist. And you cannot deny that that is it within him as well. No one is all one thing. And if you are human, you have the capacity to care. Yeah, they say, yes, no one is, you know, you're not defined by the worst thing you ever did. You're not defined by the best thing you ever did. Either way, you still have to be responsible for what it is that you did do. Yeah. You have to be responsible. Yeah. You have to say, okay, I did that. If there was a consequence, if I need to put something back in balance, I'm going to do that. But it doesn't mean that somebody who did horrible, horrible things 20 years ago can't redeem themselves. Which is why I think the other thing that comes hand in hand with being present in the moment of something horrible and tragic is forgiveness. Because mm -hmm. eventually the way that you will disentangle yourself from the sycamore trees <laughs> is to let it go, is to let it go. And, you know, I hadn't meant to make, make this connection, but it's just kind of in this freewheeling ad-libbing moment that we're in here as we're talking, I'm thinking that is kind of how I felt the connection was working itself out when I was standing with the trees the other day and singing is like, this is here and you would like to let it go. You just needed help, but it's the letting go that is in the healing and forgiveness must be that song, you know, that soul song that kind of lets the thing go. It doesn't mean you don't remember what the hell somebody did to you. Cause I, I can't imagine being 
one of the people that Zabrina Zelensky is reporting on in the Ukraine. That's gross. It's just gross that human beings could think up that kind of crazy shit to do to each other. That's just beyond my comprehension. Yeah. But it still has to be let go. You can remember it, but you have to let go of the resonance at some point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's So I'm looking at this dispatch from Greg Oliar's correspondent in Ukraine. It's really interesting um, that her first place that she visits is an opera house. This is reflecting, I mean, what I'm noticing, it's not just the headlines, the daily news that reflects the planetary patterns. I mean, the, the independent journalists that I subscribe to, and Greg is one of them, um, whatever he's focusing on in his dispatches also reflects planetary patterns. And so it's interesting that this particular one from Ukraine, her first stop is to an opera house. Neptune mm -hmm. is music. Mm -hmm. Music. And and I wanted to talk, I wanted to say one thing as a potentially helpful coping strategy. You know, your response to being with the sycamores and having this emotional, emotional catharsis, and it came out through song and music. Sometimes I, I challenge my clients who say they're feeling depressed or they're sad or whatever. And I say, um, try this exercise, turn your life into an opera. And as you're going through your day, puttering in the kitchen, making yourself a sandwich or whatever you're doing, everything you do, sing it as if it, you were on stage. I I'm love that. making <laughs> a peanut butter sandwich. I hate peanut butter. I hate peanut butter. I'm, I mean, you just sit here and go on and on. <laughs> and you can just, because here's the thing. Oh my gosh, that's so you and no, but beautiful. But if, thank you. But if you <laughs> sing, if you sing your little mundane things in this way, the effect that music has, it is, it, it, uh, music can be evocative. It can, it can, it can prompt sadness. There are some things when I hear the soundtrack to Amelie, you know, the, oh my God, it's just, yeah, but there's nothing wrong with sadness. There's nothing wrong with sadness, but it's difficult to be depressed around mm -hmm. music. And so mm -hmm. it's a mm -hmm. wonderful mm -hmm. antidote mm -hmm. for depression. I say, turn your life into an opera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, well, it's funny. My son and sing used to give everyone in the family theme songs, including the pets. <laughs> exactly. so somebody would walk into the room and then my son would start the, uh, the song, you know, um, and they were hilarious. And then everyone else would pick up on them as well. So then you actually kind of had a vibe. And when you hear a vibe that is musical, right, it can it can shift your resonance. That's a really it, I love that you do that with your clients. I tell my clients. So, so, so here is your coping strategy. This is one of the positive applications of <laughs> Neptune. OK, through music, through song and watch around. Watch the news is going to be reflecting this. You know, even in the stupid, defeated former guy rallies, what are they talking about? Some, some, you know, QAnon theme song. All of a sudden we're talking about this. Why now? All right. Well, because we are being invited to incorporate and integrate music into our lives, but do it in a way that is positive and healing and forgiving. So that's where we're at. Pluto is turning direct. Saturn is in this relationship with Uranus trying to trying to move one way or the other. And yet, you know, you think that sure, surely they're going to get rid of that guy in Brazil who is so crazy. And yet Bolsonaro. the election, yeah. Bolsonaro, and yet the election they just had 
you know, has to be a runoff because they. Well, that goes back to Neptune. You know, he's doing the same trick that that Trump has been doing, which he's been saying, oh, the elections here are are corrupt and they're false and they're compromised. So he's throwing up a fog of illusion around what's actually happening just so that people will not know whether or not they should trust the results. So he's, you know, seeding that kind of disillusionment, but is also seeding this kind of idea that I'm, I'm, you know, cloak and dagger. Yeah. Like the referendum in the occupied territories in Ukraine, which, right. yeah, Putin is like, oh, look, they all voted for me. Uh, they want me. They want us to be part of, <laughs> they want us. No, Your not imitation really. of Putin reminds me of Boris Rocky. Karloff. Well, or Rocky and Bullwinkle. Moose and Squirrel. So listen, we're wrapping up, but I wanted to- I think to, we're wrapping. What else? Is there anything I, else we need to say? Yeah, I want to challenge all of our listeners to the same challenge that we put forth to our patron subscribers this past week, which is look at your chart. We're working now on um, tracking uh, how Mars in Gemini- is actually impacting your world stage, your little universe, your own little map of who you are and the karma you're encountering. So if you want more information about that, then you can become a patron subscriber. That's on there. Um, As well as our goofy stories about, um, (laughs) speaking of Russians, (laughs) my Russian neighbors who are here one day and gone the next, and, uh, and the Russian real estate tycoon tycoon wannabe who uh, also was supposed to be supplying me with healthcare bullets when I was tracking the, the, <laughs> I was tracking candidate Trump as a health policy reporter. All that and more if you yes. become a patron subscriber. But if you are a listener and you have not yet come over to the dark side where we have cookies <laughs> <laughs> and joined us as a patron subscriber, we still love you. We still appreciate you being there for us. And we just ask that you share the uh, the podcast with others. You can find yeah. us at ensold.substack.com. Ensold is E-N-S-O-U-L-E-D.substack.com. And if you would like to subscribe to the forecast on which this podcast is based, you will want to go to graceastrology.com. G-R-A-C-E, like amazing grace. Graceastrology.com. Uh, and that is where you can find information on having a reading with Elizabeth having a consultation with Elizabeth. If you'd like to consult with me, I am at insoldastrology.com. And if you are no, feeling, no, if, you're if, feeling if, you're, sad, if you're feeling sad, if you are feeling okay. sad, you can always turn your life into an opera. Turn <laughs> into an opera and sing your heart out. And definitely fill your heart with hope. So until next time, look up. Bye. 